Welcome to the Nolan Podcast from National Oil and Lube News. I'm your host, Associate Editor Hannah Bubser. What's on your to-do list for the beginning of the new year? If hiring has found its way to the top, then you'll want to stay tuned for today's episode. I spoke with Claudia St. John, president of Affinity HR Group. She offered advice for everything from getting eyes on your new job posting to interviewing and welcoming a new employee into your shop. Plus, she relayed her predictions for what the hiring market will look like in 2023. So as we look into the new year, uh, the task of hiring new employees might be on the mind of a lot of shop owners, and oftentimes getting started can be the hardest part for employers in that situation. So what advice do you have for employers as they begin the hiring process? So I think um, probably every shop owner is probably going to have this on their to-do list given the tight labor market across um, the country. The best thing to do before you ever design a job posting or what we call go to market, which is when you put out there that you're, you're hiring and you want to bring somebody in new is really very, very clear about the duties and the tasks of the job. What, what needs to happen, what kind of experience you need, and also what kind of soft skills you need. And the reason why, I mean, that sounds like a big duh, but the reason why it's so important is that, in this day and age, you may have to hire somebody who has no experience at all. So you're going to be relaying, relying on their intrinsic uh, makeup and trying to figure out a way to extrapolate that for what the job requires. So also when you're in the interview process, it's so easy to get distracted by conversations that are unrelated to the position itself. So being crystal clear about the position and about what's required to be successful in that role and knowing that right up front before you ever you ever do a job posting or interview anyone is a really critical thing. The other thing that exercise that we do with people is to look at the key accountabilities of the job. What are the totality? What are all the different things your your new hire has to be able to do and lumping them into key accountabilities? And then we go through the exercise of ranking them of importance, one through five or six, however many key accountabilities there are. And then go through the exercise of figuring out how much time does each of those accountabilities take? Because oftentimes people hire for the number one most important key accountability, but that key accountability may only take 10, 15% of a person's time what is the other's time spent doing and and making sure that you are hiring not just the most important key accountability, but the one that takes the most time so that you can get a better fit. And how can shop owners ensure that they are reaching the correct audience with their job postings? Well, in this day and age, uh, I, I think the most important thing is to is to go far and go wide with your messaging. So what I would encourage folks to do is imagine the ideal person. Where are they coming from? What experience do they have? And then targeting them with social media 
targeting them with job postings, targeting them with direct mail pieces. Um, you know, we see a lot of folks that are that are coming out of vocational schools or out of high schools uh, with certain competencies make really great employees. So creating relationships with those feeders into the marketplace so that you're getting them early on in their careers and you're able to develop them and nurture them as, as you would want. Um, also looking at other non-conventional sources of employees, such as um, rehabilitated ex-cons, such as those in the disability community, um, such as those returning vets, you know, identifying those agencies that are trying to place those hard-to-place individuals and establishing a relationship. Because most of those audiences, um, they have somebody trying to help them get jobs and support them in the job seeking and the job preparation um, role. So those are also good ways of going out and finding them. And circling back to the interview process that you mentioned a little bit earlier, once shop owners have identified some good contenders, what are some important strategies for them to consider as they head into that interview process? And how can shop owners ensure that they're getting the most out of that interview? Um, such a great question. Um, the first thing is, if you've done that work, then you know what you're looking for. You know you've already defined the job, you've defined the role, and so you know what you're looking for. So step one is to identify a few people, a couple of people, two, three people to do the interview together and dividing up the areas of inquiry, whether it's job related or personality or personal preference or whatever those questions are, so that everybody knows what questions they're asking of the candidates and they're asking every candidate the same question so that you can compare apples to apples. The reason why panel interviews are also so good is that when one person is asking the question, everybody else is able to witness and listen. And that way you're not stuck in a situation where somebody says, well, I thought he was really great. And someone else says, no, I thought they were really bad because he didn't witness the same phenomenon. So it keeps you on task. It keeps you on track and you're all witnessing the same thing. The other thing that's a key, um, a key thing to consider in interviewing is to ask behavioral interview questions. These are questions that are posed in a way such as, tell me about a time when you had to do dot, dot, dot. Tell me about a situation when you had to handle X, Y, Z. When you ask questions like this, they're called behavioral interview questions. You're asking them how they have handled situations in the past. And those the answer to those questions are a really good indication of how they're going to handle it going forward because past performance and past behavior is the best predictor of future behavior. So asking questions in that behavioral interview format, tell me about a time, um, is critical. And then the final thing that we recommend, we recommend that the hiring decision be based on the rule of thirds. So the rule of thirds is that one third of the interview is based on their experience. So does a resume have on there what you want to see either directly or indirectly? How they showed up in the interview. Did you like them? Were they comfortable? Did you feel good about them? That's your gut feel. And that's 
where you as a team can agree on that gut. And then one third, we recommend doing behavioral testing because the reality is you can only get so much out of an interview. Um, the testing is really going to tell you in the end whether that personal that person's intrinsic makeup will make them successful in that role. So some, some form of behavioral testing in the hiring process. And generally speaking, what are some things that employers should have set up ahead of an employee's first day to ensure a smooth onboarding process? So after they've, you know, identified this person, they've decided to bring them on, what should they do to make that transition as smooth as possible? Um, It's a critical question that you're asking because statistically speaking, the highest risk of losing an employee is in the first 45 days. In fact, Many employees don't make it to the first day, and many employees don't make it past the first week. And data show that 22% of all employee turnover happens within the first 45 days. So focusing on that that onboarding is absolutely critical to success um, in in having somebody there. What we do, um, and it's a very simple process that anybody can, can go through, is to think through what are the learning objectives that that new hire needs to accomplish? What are the things that they need to be proficient in and have accomplished in the first week? And that forces the hiring manager to to look realistically. What can be expected? What should we expect of that person within the first week? And importantly, who's responsible for that training and development? So, It tells the new hire, here's what we expect of you, which is critical for engagement. It tells the person who's going to be imparting that knowledge and doing that training, you're on deck, you're responsible for this person's training. And at the end of the week, you're giving that employee feedback on how they did and what they can move on to for the next thing. Or maybe let's stick with this one piece for another week and, and, and really make sure that we've got this covered. So you're giving them feedback. All of these things are critical for employee engagement. And they also help you know this person is getting it. So you're not, you're not holding on to an employee longer than you should if they just don't have the competence to be able to serve in that role. So thinking about key learning objectives, identifying who's going to be doing that learning, Every week, revisiting those learning objectives and establishing new ones and doing that for like the first four to six weeks of a new hire um, is really a very, very sound way of, of onboarding an employee. This episode of the Nolan Podcast is sponsored by Valvoline. You've invested a lot of time and money building your Quick Lube brand. Are you leaving profit on the table due to labor shortages, limited inventory, or unreliable suppliers? Valvoline can help. Valvoline's premium brand can help streamline your business, drive traffic, and maximize your bottom line while retaining the name and reputation your customers trust. Not only can you get all of your products in one place with Valvoline, but you can also leverage their award-winning ASE certified training programs. To learn more about what Valvoline has to offer, visit partner.valvoline.com or click the link in this episode description. What are some challenges that a shop owner as an employer may face when navigating the current hiring market and how can they tackle those areas effectively? 
So our current unemployment rate nationally has been bumping around between three and a half to three point seven percent unemployment rate, and that's a national average, which means that there are plus states that have an unemployment rate of lower than of three percent or lower. And to put that in context, full employment is defined as four point two percent or higher. So that means we have persistently been at full employment for years now, except for that one blip during COVID. And that's not going to change. We do not have the number of employees entering the workforce as we have exiting the workforce. And those that are entering are oftentimes not seeking jobs that a lot of our shop owners are trying to fill. So this is a very, very serious problem. And what it means is that employers need to realize everybody who wants a job has a job. And if you go on that assumption, you really need to think differently about how you're marketing your job, what you're paying, the types of benefits that you're offering, and where you're seeking um, in terms of you know where your what your outreach is to other potentials of, of, of employees. The challenge with shop owners is that if you draw a radius around each shop location of like I don't know 15 or 20 miles, depending on on how urban or rural you live, your employees, your potential employees are in there somewhere. They have to be in there somewhere. So who are they? Where are they working? And what are you offering them that others are not offering them in order to get them to come and work for you? So it really requires a level of empathy. What do these people want and need and how can we offer it? It doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be paying top dollar. If you can, now is the time. But if you can't, what other things can you offer in terms of scheduling flexibility, in terms of benefits, in terms of um, workplace support, in terms of retirement, in terms of non-conventional benefits that they won't get from an Amazon or a Starbucks or whoever you're competing against for that talent. The other thing that shop owners need to remember is that um, people don't quit their job, they quit their manager. And we do not have a professional management class in the United States. People do well at doing the job and then they get promoted into management, but that may not mean that they have good management skills or are passionate about being a manager. And that is a vulnerability for every business owner. So. So I, I think in addition to really thinking creatively about what they can offer to lure those people, those workers away from current job, other job opportunities, they need to be thinking about investing in their management and supervisory staff so that being a manager is in itself a career and that that is the most important thing that they do. That's what's going to keep people working for you, creating your culture, building your brand, and making you successful. And if you're not dedicating the time to that, or if you don't have, you know, a, a, a fully proficient and professional management and supervisory cohort working for you, you're always at risk of being poached by somebody else who's looking for the same talent that you have. And do you have any predictions for trends across the job market in 2023? 
I do. And they are not good. They are really, really bad. Um, we anticipate this tight labor market the way that it is, it is structured right now to exist for the rest of this decade. Um, we have heard predictions about there being potentially a recession uh, in 2023. Um, all of the economists that I have read and talked to say that the one thing that will keep the recession from going deep or going very long is the fact that the labor market is so tight <clears throat> that people are not, we're not expecting business owners to lay off employees because they're already struggling to fill all of the ranks that they need to fill. So that's going to soften the blow of a recession, which is great for lots of other reasons, but it's not great for this tight labor market. And, and we do expect it to continue for the rest of this decade. And the reason for that is that Baby boomers, who are a huge cohort, are retiring earlier than we expected. Um, 2.5 million of them retired earlier in the last year than we anticipated. Um, we've got 2 million mothers who've checked out of the workplace because they have ongoing child care needs. And the, child, the cost of child care is so expensive right now compared to years past because there aren't enough child care workers. But it's, it's prohibitively expensive. So a lot of moms are just not not going back to work. We lost almost 2 million workers either to death as a result of COVID or to long COVID. And Gen Zs are a different type of, of worker, and they're not necessarily looking for these types of jobs. And we don't have sufficient immigration to replace the positions that we need to fill. So all of these problems are going to be persistent for the next decade. So our, our prediction is the tight labor market is going to continue. It's going to continue to be hard finding people. And now is the time to look to automate where you can, to look to invest in your supervisors, to create that culture and focus on culture um, and, and really be creative about, being intentional and going out and finding talent wherever you can, especially if you can grow them, you know, at the start of their careers to get them to stay with you. But it, it's going to continue to be a struggle going forward. Thank you for listening to the Nolan podcast from National Oil and Lube News. Subscribe to us wherever you listen and find more content at nolan.net. You can follow Nolan on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I'm Associate Editor Hannah Bubser, and I'll talk to you more next time.